Hey everyone, you're about to listen to an episode of the Not So Anonymous Alcoholic. Uh, these episodes can get a little heavy. Um, there's potentially some trigger warnings if you are an individual in recovery yourself. If you are tuned in to hear either Duck Duck, Grey Duke, our normal comedy interview show, or Dude Absolutely with fellow comedian Alex Peacher and myself, uh, this is going to be a little less funny than what you're used to. But feel free to tune back in. Every Monday and Tuesday, you've got an opportunity to, to get some giggles in. Otherwise, we hope you stick around, uh, learn a little bit about addiction and addiction recovery. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Kim Duke, and I'm married to an addict alcoholic. Hi, Kim. My name's Chris, and I am an addict alcoholic. Hi, Chris. Um, this guest is one of the kindest people um, maybe ever to exist. Mother Teresa was like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but th- this individual has been so amazing with our kids and just felt like family so quickly. Uh, we're super lucky to, to have her in our lives. So Caitlin, thank you for, for being here today. Thank you. Thanks for doing this show. Thank you. I've been nervous. So I got nervous the last time that we tried to schedule this, <laughs> which is weird because I messaged Alex and was like, is, does Caitlin seem nervous? And it was because I was super fucking nervous. <laughs> why? Just because why? things don't always pan out. Like, try, like it's, it's, I know this sounds weird, but like trying to get you back on the podcast has not gone well in the times that we've tried for real bad things happen every time oh no like tonight tonight i'm a curse i think it's because we take you away from the goodness that you emit out into the world and the world's like hey man we fucking need her out here i don't think so i I think think bad things just follow me sometimes i don't think so i think that's a fallacy (laughs) um so yeah we've known each other for i think almost like two years now Longer than that. Has it been longer than that? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Oh, fuck. It has been longer than that. Because Alex and I have been dating over a year. Oh, wow. So we've known each other for maybe like three or more years. God, that's so weird to think because it feels Isn't like it? I just started doing that open mic. So it's, mm-hmm. man, that's crazy. So yeah, you've, um, you, you and Alex came on our podcast. That was over a year ago. Mm-hmm. And... Ever since then, we've just wanted to see you more and more and more. And it's because you made bracelets with Layla. I remember that. We had so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you came and you're like, you guys are cool, but I'm gonna hang out with this, these little kids over here. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I am with most people. I'm like, oh, you have kids? Great. <laughs> I'll play with them, and the adults can do what the adults do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think your name is synonymous with su- support. And that I think is like indisputable. Like your friends, I would imagine would say the same thing. You're just, why, why do you think that um, highlighting people's uh, value is, has been important to you? I don't know. I, I mean, I grew up in the church, I guess, um, invested a lot of time in that. And one of the biggest things was every 
trip or every, you know, retreat or things we would go on, you always wrote an affirmation to people telling them how great they were. Mm. And it couldn't be like, oh, hey, I like your hair. Like you really had to dig deep and learn about a person to write them a quality affirmation about their character. Oh. Um, so I've always just tried to really dig into people because I personally going through like difficult times in like high school, I used to read through those affirmations all the time to like affirm that I was who I thought I was, not who the bullies at school said I was. Wow. Um, and because they were about my character, they weren't like, oh, hey, Caitlin, you have cool shoes or whatever it was hey caitlin you're a great listener and i was like great thank you like i would just read those all the time i still have them really wow. mm-hmm. well, that's super cool man um obviously we're we're here to to talk about you know it's got your end of things yeah. for um what what i went through but i i wanted to ask first like was there any addiction like in friends or family you don't have to get any specifics but like have you had to deal with this stuff before i've seen it a lot before i would say not ever like super firsthand i've seen the effects it's had on other people um but never as closely as i think i saw this play out i've i've wanted to highlight more the way that addiction affects other people because there's a lot of like it seems kind of cut and dry in that when people want to help someone who is an addict it's get them away from their addiction get them to stop being an addict Mm -hmm. and then just watch them be good and then we're just we don't have to deal with that anymore um so i i want to highlight more like what people are going through and what it looks like to them on the other side Mm -hmm. But I'm interested too because I I know that Alex has you know mental health stuff like mm-hmm. we do de- depression anxiety and um, when Alex and I started dating we were actually taking the exact same meds but then I had an allergic reaction to mine so <laughs> oh, no. I had to go on something different but we had the exact same medication which we thought was crazy that is wild mm-hmm. so I mean from your perspective like what what did this look like as far as what you saw was happening to Alex like because I mm. I've I've owned that I was a shit friend to a lot of people mm-hmm. inadvertently yep um but yeah was ignor- ignorant to how my actions were were affecting people and so I was curious as to what if, if you don't mind like what that looked like yeah home life I guess you could say and I guess I mean Alex was on the show and kind of got to talk about that a little bit but he was really mad at you like really mad at you um and that was heartbreaking for me to see because there was this point in time where all Alex talked about was his best friend Chris and then it went to like just Chris and that was a really weird shift because he like there would be nights where like he would just cry because he was like felt like he lost a friend. Um, just like when you started quitting everything and all of that, he was like, I don't know how to support him. I don't know. Like he's shutting me out. He, I'm trying to text him. I'm trying to call him. He's not responding to me. And so he was like kind of 
starting to mourn that relationship a little bit and tried to like pull himself back because he was in fear that he would get so invested that um, Alex in the past has had some codependency issues and whatnot. And so he didn't want to take on your full burden and like internalize that. Sure. Um, But then to like, you know, after the incident, like, it was more of, okay, how do I, how do I help him? How do I, how do I be there for him? But also how do I not get so close because I don't want to lose him again? Like that was Alex's biggest fear when you first got out of uh, treatment and whatnot. That's why we didn't come over for a while, right? When you got back, because he was nervous to dive right back into being best friends, Alex and Chris, Sure, because he didn't want any like he was still mad at you and he hadn't worked through that and he was like i don't want to go hang out with him when i'm still so mad at him and i don't want to put that on him he's like what if i'm the reason he starts drinking again like if he does if i tell him how mad i am and he starts drinking it's all my fault and he like he was so anxious about that for the longest time and you do such a good job of um kind of distracting people from the chaos that's going on around them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you literally, it happened today (laughs) uh, when you were helping Layla out, but I'm curious, like when, when does that get to be too much for you? Like that you're having to distract people and make them think about something more positive and kind of reaffirm that they're going to make it through. Who do you go to for, for that stuff? That's where I struggle in life. Ah, I see. Mm -hmm. When my parents split, that was like, I always distracted my sister. Like when they were arguing before my dad left, like I would take her and we would be like, ah, let's go drive around and look at Christmas lights. It'll be so fun. And we like do all of these things. I'm not the best one at opening up to share with people like how I'm feeling and whatnot. Even with Alex, like he gets mad at me still because i'll just keep things and then it'll come out he's like why didn't you tell me that yeah i do the same thing i can i can handle it i just i do it (laughs) that's interesting eventually you're like a bottle you start filling up and then that's when it starts overflow it's like when you've got those like a closet that you just keep shoving random crap in and then all of a sudden the doors can't shut and then everything comes out yeah do you think that's why um you gravitate and I don't know that it's something that you do intentionally or if it just Mm -hmm. happens, but like to those who seem to also be struggling is that it's a distraction for you as well to be able to offer something positive for this person. Yeah. I worked through that when I was in counseling for a long time that I would like gravitate towards people. I thought I could quote unquote fix. Sure. And those were like the people that I spent a lot of time with, um, like in high school and um, in the first parts of college and whatnot. I just wanted to fix people. And then my counselor was like, you can't fix people unless you fix yourself. And I was like, okay, good point, good point. <laughs> and I see where you're coming from. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and so when this shit started to happen, like kind of creating this rift between friendships and families and whatnot Mm -hmm. did did you have a sense to kind of want to pull back because you might have a tendency to want to fix things 
I did not only because I was not wanting your kids to lose their father. That was my biggest fear. And so I wanted to do everything I could to help because of your kids. It may have been different if you guys didn't have Landon and Layla. I don't know. I couldn't speak to that. But knowing what, like, how influential you are as a father to them now. Like, my dad growing up was a great dad, right? He did a lot of fun stuff with us when we were little. And then he got lost and he's still lost. And I saw you were getting lost. And I didn't want your kids to have to go through what I went through. And I knew that Kim was a great mom, just like my mom was. And she totally would have handled it really well. But I didn't want that for your kids. So from your perspective, like when, when did it seem like things were, I don't know. I don't know how to word it, but like it seemed like maybe we were in trouble. That night at Sisyphus and Alex and I had to take you to Perkins and Kim was pissed that you were drunk and you guys had like a family thing the next day. Yeah. And I, and we were texting. I told you mm -hmm. I wouldn't be as upset if this wasn't the first time this happened. I was telling you like, this isn't the first time he's done this. His I personally think his drinking's out of control. We had, I had a pretty long conversation with you that night about it. We just texted like the whole night and Alex and Chris were like talking and whatever. But I was like, yeah, cause you were nervous. You told me not to tell Kim. Right. And that's why I texted Kim. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, which is weird. Yeah, the whole thing is so fucking weird. But like the facade of like because nothing externally was really wrong, just mm-hmm. every now and then I I and in those instances where like I, I thought I can't drive home, so I'm being responsible by not driving. I'm yep. hanging out for a couple of hours. And like skipping over the fact that why well why can't you drive right now mm-hmm. and yeah it's 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 odd to to think back on that stuff and how much sense it made at the time and then to now be like that it just it didn't need to happen nobody else had that problem that night right and i i thought that i was a like more put together person than <laughs> like half of the people that were that were there that night and mm-hmm. I wasn't well and to I know when you started the show you talked about how you were like a very coherent drunk yeah like when we were at Perkins you were cracking jokes you and Alex made friends with the waiter like you would never it was know just normal. it was normal cra- yeah it's crazy I would like I would have never known that it was like an issue had I not like tried to like start piecing things together when Kim was like this isn't the first time I'm like we have things going on he knew that we had things going on he told me he would be coming home and at that point Alex and I were still not convinced that like we like prolonged Perkins because we were not confident in you driving right which yeah probably shouldn't have have driven even when yeah by the time we got back to the car Mm mm-hmm that's another yeah we were nervous i texted kim i'm like you tell me when he gets home because i don't know yeah because it's hard you could never tell with chris like Mm -hmm. he's very he's not that he wasn't like that sloppy stumbling Mm -hmm. can't make sense of his words like where character changes like when i would drink i'd be like way more extroverted and 
all over the place. Whereas Chris has always just been like, he was just Chris. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why for a long time I didn't realize the extent of it too, because I could come home and he'd be sitting on the computer doing editing and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know because he's not stumbling. He's not passed out. He's not throwing up. So actually, I'm more curious about what you guys talked about, because like I told you, I lost those the second half of those letters. Um, that night we talked, I told her that this wasn't, you know, I wonder if I still have the text. I got to pee. You got to pee? Yeah, I do. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Commercial break. Hey, gang. Kim's taking a wicked pee right now. But I want to talk to you about Los Ortiz. Los Ortiz is authentic Mexican food in Becker, Minnesota. Right off of Highway 10 on Bank Street, right behind the bank. The other night we got their super sampler and it was freaking delicious and fed more than eight people and we still had food left over and it was only 30 bucks, which is crazy. So head on over to Los Ortiz's in Becker, Minnesota, right off of Highway 10 on Bank Street, right behind the bank. Enjoy the show. I kind of want, because I talk a lot, so I, I want I want you guys to talk about what that was like. Well, another conversation I remember we had is Chris had quit, mm-hmm. and then we were at Nordic, and you saw he had a beer, and you're like, oh. I guess he didn't quit. And you're like, Chris is drinking a beer, and I said, he, I, I rem- recall saying something like, that's fine if he has just one, because at least he's nicer if he mm-hmm. has just one. Yep. Because you were so... Like when you were withdrawing, you were just so angry and mean that it was really hard being around you. Mm-hmm. So I remember saying that to you, like, yeah. I remember one time when Kim was saying that again, like that you you weren't support, like she you didn't think she was supporting you, and you were like only there to only in the family to like bring an in income. Like you were really going off at her one day. You told Alex that Kim only wants you around because you bring in money and right can help pay the bills. Yeah, there was a lot of um, brushing over the fact that she's letting me go and do open mics and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, when, when you brought up that, because I thought it was, um, because I thought that you thought that it was going to come to an end, was really just me saying, like, how can we still be pissed at her even though she's supporting the majority of what you're doing? And so I was like in my, that's like the psychosis part of it is like, I was like, oh, well, she must know something that I don't know, which is that all of this stuff's not going to work out because ne- nothing ever works out. Mm-hmm. Well, and you always compared it to rollerblading and snowboarding, which it's not, it wasn't the same. It's like no. those things had, had to come to an end physically or else you were going to damage yourself really yeah. bad. So you'd always throw that at me, but, it, and I would have to always say, but that's different. Like you physically had to stop doing those things cause you were hurting yourself. Like comedy was different mm-hmm. because it wasn't physical. Well, I mean, you know, to the point where rollerblading and snowboarding was. Yeah. And I think that's a, like towards like where your usage was getting bad. That's why I stopped coming in here and talking to you. That's why like even now, it's funny because Chris wants me to come and hang out in here with him a lot. And mm-hmm. it's so hard because there was so much negative awfulness that happened in this office. Lots of awful conversations where it's like I hated coming in here because yeah. it was going to be an argument or we were going to be upset about something. The part that sticks out the most to me from the correspondence is when you said something's going to be the last straw that breaks the camel's back. And I was like, oh, it's not good. That made me real sad. And I think it was hard because... 
we people always saw me and Chris mm-hmm. and they would make comments like you guys are relationship goals. Oh yeah. Like they always put us mm-hmm. on this pedestal and like it was so hard being up on there cuz you didn't want to complain or say anything about like yeah. Chris is a great person and I never wanted to say to other people like all the shit he was doing or all the like negative things he would say because he is a great person I want people like it's hard because especially when you bring people into your relationship Mm -hmm. and they know your stuff like I've been a part of that where I've been good friends with someone and they tell me all this awful crap and then it's hard like meshing back in with the couple because you're like Mm -hmm. oh like yeah especially when like that person's maybe still doing the things that this person said right Chris is obviously sober and those things it's like yeah, relation. Oh, you guys are relationship goals, and it's like, but we're not. We're just as messed up as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like we just put on. You know, you only put out on social media things that yeah you want people to see. Yeah, I think that was extra hard for people to digest because I when I would talk to people about um, like struggles that they were having in their relationships and things like that, I would always say like no matter how like mad. Kim and I get at each other I always say I love you and I know that there's nobody else that I want to be with mm-hmm. and then for them to see me flipping that switch and it's like you were just saying that all of this stuff is like no matter how hard it gets you always have to say that you you love that person but mm-hmm. now you're lambasting her and basically making it seem like she's the reason why you're unhappy like that mm-hmm. nothing's making sense and I feel like it continued to make less and less sense Mm -hmm. because I would do this thing, which Alex picked up on yesterday, uh, which is like when I'm having a really bad time, I think that's like the, the manic side of me is I get like this. It's almost like an exaggerated happy and laughing about things, Mm -hmm. even though I'm super pissed and frustrated. Like I'll get like, jittery and and like weird and there's so much stuff that is making more and more sense and Mm -hmm. the more that i find that stuff out the more i go like oh okay well how can we like be better next time rather than internalizing shit and having these like tantrums is really the only thing that i can think of because they don't make a whole lot of sense just Mm -hmm. these weird outbursts and I know that it's not actually how I feel. So mm-hmm. it's. Yeah. One thing too, I caught on, like I just realized when you were talking about all that stuff about the kids and all that, it's when you were in treatment, Caitlin would text me and ask how the kids were doing mm-hmm. a lot. I was really concerned about them, especially Landon. Yeah. I was very concerned about Landon. Yeah. I, I, I uh, Yeah. I, I forget. Just, did you guys get like hang out at all when I was, when I was no, in treatment? No, I shut down. She did. She tried. She absolutely tried. I told you that you that you shut down. Yeah. But I mm-hmm. that's what I did is I If I can put on a front to other people, then they won't know that I'm not okay cuz I had to be okay. Yeah. I had to be yeah. okay cuz the kids, I had to be okay cuz your parents cuz your mom was having a really hard time. Right. You know, she was dealing with the loss of a nephew mm-hmm. and then almost the loss of her son and then, you know, mourning all these things that your parents didn't really know about. I mean, I would talk to your mom that that so when we did Christmas, your mom was like, hey, do you need a massage? Because she could tell that I was really upset. 
and she knew that your drinking was getting like bad but i didn't tell them as i mean mm-hmm. that's your parents i didn't tell them like oh i said yeah he drank too much last night he was out with some friends I'm, i was upset because your mom could tell but i didn't like go well he did this and this and that but yeah your parents kind of your mom kind of knew so obviously she was you know dealing with that and so i didn't i had to be strong for everyone around well, us and i kept it, it i think it was was gaslighting because i would I would give examples of how often other people did much worse than me. Like mm-hmm. there's a couple of my brothers that I was like, Hey, have you guys ever been too drunk to drive home? And they were like, yeah, of course. Have you ever left your credit card at a spot? Cause he left yeah, his credit obviously. card somewhere and I was mm-hmm. upset about that. It and was then there. He would, it was at Sisyphus. I left, I left, I forgot my credit yeah. card there. And then he would, yeah, he brought it up in front of his brothers and my sister-in-law were like, Oh yeah, we've done that before. And I would get so frustrated, like, just because you guys have done it before does not mean that Chris doesn't have a problem, right? Like, but yeah. he would try and make it, and then, like, trying to, you couldn't talk, I mean, Chris's brothers drink quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you can't talk about it with them, because it's normal for them. Right. It's scary to think that I was so good at that. I, I, I wonder, like, in, um, like, manipula- manipulative relationships what the turning point is to where one of one of them or both of them says, I'm so good at this that I'm going to see how far I can take it. And this is just going to be the relationship from now on is mm-hmm. I'm going to make you think one thing and then go and do another thing. Like it, maybe that's the cluster B traits that you have is when you were manipulating situations like that. Oh yeah. Maybe what, what is a, well, I know Chris's diagnoses because mm. I have his don't my chart on my phone. Don't what? say that. Don't say that. Okay. I don't want you to get in trouble. So I'm not, I can. I have access to your medical things from my chart. I have your login to my chart. You gave it to me. I'm not going to get in trouble if we're married and you gave me your login to your. All right. But I read his discharge paperwork on his um, mm-hmm. discharge. She was stuff. trying to prove that I wasn't fat. <laughs> no, this was different. We were talking about your diagnoses, what you were diagnosed with. The hypomania, because we wanted to figure that out, remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bip, 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 bip. And then, yeah, he has access to, which is where personality traits go in. Mm-hmm. And he has prob- uh, probable cluster B traits. So not diagnosed with an actual personality disorder, but he has some traits in, which honestly, I'll be honest, we all have some yeah. personality traits. Cluster B is more like the borderlines and all that. Sure. Where so, manipulative so, behaviors in there, um, sure. erratic behavior, relationships, don't always pan out, um, attention seeking, yeah, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was another scary thing about coming home today was I didn't know how to verbalize like the fact that I've always wanted to be in the limelight and have something important to say, but th- I didn't really give a shit how I got there in, in the past. It was like, I'll just get there because I feel it in my bones. Of, like, this is where I'm supposed to be and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is the first time we're like, we're getting there and it is any of the stuff that I have worth anything. So I think having that thought is a lot better. It's way less narcissistic than I was being in the past where like I, I would, yeah, I would think that I could do stand up everywhere and that it was for some reason like important for me to like let people know that I do stand up and like almost like 
you're going to want to remember this joke when I'm famous and on Comedy Central. Like, there's so many things that, yeah, it's it's frustrating to be like, it's a negative part of me, but it's also what I'm doing right now. Yeah. So go how do back. I make sure that it's not negative? You go back. used to think you were the greatest comic, and you're like, I hate when Kim calls it just a hobby, because it's not a hobby. This is going to be my career. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like... Or maybe the cluster B traits. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> um, for sure. Another thing too is why I didn't hang out with you is because I knew if I hung out with you, I'd break down mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I have the same sort of coping mechanism of yeah. just like wanting to be by myself. So I did force myself in here one time when you were in the hospital. You oh. did. That's right. You came over I came after over yeah. Nordic. I just kind of forced myself in and I could tell like Kim was like, Thanks for coming, but I don't want you here right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You came over after mm-hmm. Nordic. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. I would just check in and I was like, I don't want to be the person who is overly checking in. Cause I was like, she's got so much and so many people to keep up with right now. Like your family, her family, yeah. the kids. I was like, I don't want to overwhelm you with text messages. But I was like, I also want her to know that I'm here if you need me. And so I just kind of like left it at that there's certain people that when shitty things are going on Mm -hmm. you talk to because you know that they're not going to dig deep they're not gonna well i mean Mm. i don't know about you so much but i know me like when i was having hard times alex unfortunately got a lot of that because i just he was i felt like the only person that kind of understood what i was Mm -hmm. going through but in other regards i would talk about i would talk to people who i knew weren't gonna be like hey so you all right mm-hmm. everything okay i talked a lot with my coworkers because mm-hmm. they don't personally know chris they haven't yeah. met chris so i where it's like family or like friends and people that we know that know chris in person i had a harder time i didn't want to talk about it yeah. as much because like with my coworkers, it's it's almost like a therapist it's like that non-biased they don't know chris they've right. never met him they only yeah. you know so and if I ever hang out with them outside of work, then I do event, you know, but these are coworkers I haven't yet. Cause we're all so busy. We all have our own lives so where it's like, okay, you guys are like a neutral mm-hmm. crowd. I can vent to you about what's going on. But even like some of my friends, I'd like one of my best friends from childhood that I talked to every day. Yeah. I didn't tell her for days what was going on. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just like, and she knows Chris very, I mean, they grew up, they knew each other before I met Chris. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I don't, I didn't want, cause I've, like I said, I've had that before where you get this negative idea of somebody and I didn't want that for Chris cause I knew he's a good, great person yeah. and, and not everyone understands addiction. That's another thing where I'm like people and a lot of, no offense, a lot of, sorry, my ear itched. A lot of people in comedy that we're friends with drink a lot. Yeah. And we encouraged it. We'd have people over here drinking a lot. We had a big house party. We had a big house party. We're about to do, I'm about to do an article for a rollerblading magazine. And I was like thinking, because he was kind of trying to figure out how it, how how we can make it involved with rollerblading. And I made an edit, which an edit is a skate video, Mm -hmm. like a small skate video. I made an edit highlighting how much i had drank before i started skating and then while i was skating and i was like proud of how good i could skate while i was drunk Mm. and so there's like all of these there's some pretty 
big like warning signs that I hadn't thought of like that one for sure. Yeah. For that, a while there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That now we, yeah, it's, but I don't think a lot of people knew that because mm-hmm. it's like I said, we put on, you put on a picture for people Yeah, and it's like when Chris told some people initially that he thought like Kim thinks I have a drinking problem. People's responses is like, well, what have you done? What'd you mm-hmm. do? Like that has to be the thing that like, you had to have done something where yeah. that's where I got frustrated because I'm like, that's just making Chris feel like he doesn't have a problem when people say that. Well, and I mean, to the comedy scene, like you were home with the kids when Chris would do comedy, like you weren't there that much. And so people knew Chris. Mm-hmm. And so when Chris is like, oh, well, Kim thinks I have a drinking problem. Right. Automatically, everyone's going to side with Chris because they just don't yeah. know you like they know Chris. And automatically like that just makes you the bad guy and they're going to do whatever they can to be like, no, my friend is fine. He is fine. But then I noticed towards the, I I don't want to say like towards like the peak of anything because that's wording's not right. But when things started getting bad, like I, when I noticed things started getting bad, Kim started coming around to comedy more. Like you'd come onto the Keller and you'd, you know, you'd be like, Oh, I'm drinking tonight. Chris isn't because he's going to drive me home. And like I started noticing, like looking back after all of this, I noticed Kim started coming around more when you started drinking more. Yeah. And then like the kids would come to Nordic and then you'd come to Nordic. And I was like, she came around when things started getting bad. Well, yeah, because yeah, at that point, if there was an opportunity for somebody else to be drinking with me or Mm -hmm. if I was giving them the excuse to drink then it made me look like i'm fine Mm -hmm. and oh like isn't it nice that i'm taking responsibility tonight and and not drinking when really almost all of those instances where it was like kim gets to drink tonight Mm -hmm. i still would drink yeah when we were Mm -hmm. out too so it was like yeah it's just a lot of bullshit and i like back to the comedy thing i I went out of my way for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I think I built this like almost like a trap where it's like, if you turn your back on me, you're also saying fuck you to all the stuff that I did. Yeah. So don't fucking turn your back on me because mm-hmm. like there's a lot of, a lot of bad shit. This is why the friends of addicts need to be highlighted because if you stick around mm-hmm. and you get to see like a quote unquote normal or better side of them, awesome but a lot of times people don't get to see that they only remember them in these really shitty instances Mm -hmm. like they were fine for a little while it got bad looked like it was going to get better got worse Mm -hmm. and then they just dropped off so for this 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 is for the people that you know didn't didn't get closure in that regard i hope you know that if whoever you're with or um you know had in your life before if if they were able to get sober they they really want you to know how fucking sorry they are yeah i I joined this like support family group Mm -hmm. on facebook which is like the most depressing group i might have to get out of it just because you read all these horrific stories and like Mm -hmm. i always think like man things could have gotten worse like reading some of these stories like some ladies partner relapsed on whatever drug it was ended up in jail this is how many things she supported this person through and then he's in jail now so she's trying to figure out visiting and Mm -hmm. come to find out 
his girlfriend had filled up all these visiting times, but this is his girlfriend he lives with. She just found out he has this other girlfriend. Oh my. And it's just like you read all these horrific things, like kids that had, like people are posting obituaries of their loved ones that had just died from overdoses or whatever else. And it's just like, holy crap. And like all these people, like, what do I do? He he went to the grocery store, he came back, and now he smells like alcohol and he's been sober for four days. And it's just like, oh my gosh. Like, it's kind of nice because at the same time, like, as sucky as it was that Chris went to the hospital and everything happened the way it did, like, we got very lucky. Like, he got into treatment, a good treatment facility, and we had all that support. Because I feel like a lot of people don't have that. Or we didn't, I mean, they don't catch the addiction early enough or they don't mm-hmm. have as much support or... And I don't want you to like downplay the experience that you had because somebody else's experience was yeah. quote unquote worse. Yeah. Like that's your experience and looking at it as, oh, well, it could have been worse. Like for you in your story, in your life, like that was the worst thing yeah, that could have happened. And I think instead of deflecting that and being like oh well it could have been worse so like what we went through was fine and whatever you know like own that and deal with that because when you don't I mean you may one day look back and be like Chris you really put us through some really dark stuff and might end up like looking back and resenting him later because you were just like oh well we're lucky it wasn't as bad we didn't have it as bad other people have it worse yeah like owning suppose, really yeah. what you went through. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I, I, I say it all the time, but it's the starving children in Africa. Yeah. Argument. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing that like, obviously I was upset about the whole situation, but the thing that upset me the most is the fact that the kids were here mm-hmm. and they could have been the ones that found Chris. Like and the trauma that that mm-hmm. child experiences that never goes away. Cause I work in the ER with people that are like, yeah, I saw my dad kill himself. Mm-hmm. I saw my dad do this. My mom do this. And it's like, now they're in the ER because they want to die because of things they, and it's like, that's the thing that like killed me out of everything is yeah. that Landon was there and saw. Well, I remember you telling me that you were like, I knew, you know, like things have happened before, but never when the kids were home. And I remember like almost for word, you were like, I never thought that he would try something with the kids home. I always trusted him with that. And now I don't. Yeah. I still get nervous. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought I wouldn't, but the day you came home with your, when you were shaky and all that, and Matt drove you home. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you took like a five hour nap. I was at work thinking, oh my gosh, like, I kept checking, like, because your active thing on Facebook, and it was like, he hasn't been active for four hours. Like, then mm-hmm. I would, I was starting to get really nervous. Like, what if something bad happened at work and he didn't tell me about it or he got fired, didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Now he's at home and he's, doing something to try to end his life and i like that I, and i'm like no it's fine. he would tell me we're in a different place but mm-hmm. i like that fear came back over where i had to like talk myself down and be like no yep it'll be he's went home because he doesn't feel good and i know mm-hmm. he doesn't feel good yeah i uh yeah i don't i don't know what to say i guess yeah that's it's, just i mean i talked myself mm-hmm. down but it was like, okay. And then when you text me like, yeah, I took a nap. I'm fine. I'm like, okay, yep. He really was sick. He's fine. Nothing happened at work. Cause then I, I feel like 
your brother who drove him home would know not to leave you alone if something bad happened at work. So I'm like, Matt wouldn't just drop him off if he yeah. knew he got fired. Like he knows better than that. So I had to, mm-hmm. cause his brother, one brother was the one that first found him his last attempt. And he's always been hyper, um, vigilant too. Cause one day Chris was like super late for work and he was texting me like, Hey, is Chris okay? Is everything going okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why was Matt texting me like that? And I'm like, Oh, Cause two years prior to like yeah. now something happened. So I'm like, okay, Matt wouldn't just drop Chris off if something was going on. Yeah. And well, I mean, we, we say it on here all the time that, um, sobriety doesn't wipe your slate clean. There's still all kinds of trash and, and stuff left behind. Mm-hmm. And there are things that when the, that trash kind of starts to pile up again, Mm-hmm. Makes you feel like, am I being brought back to that place that we were in? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is trauma, actually. I shouldn't downplay it like it's not yeah. trauma. I don't know that we've ever said that. Like, that is having to live with somebody who's attempted suicide twice in the home that you fucking live in every single day. Yeah, that, that deserves some appreciation as to the shit that you go through mm-hmm. for, and it was for like, not just for you but for the kids too yeah mm-hmm. and it's like that the vehicle he attempted the last time in too i had a hard time even going in the garage or even thinking about driving that vehicle for a really mm-hmm. long time but then we like had a you just drove the vehicle to work the next day was the, yeah no you went to the hospital that time it was when you attempted in your vehicle and you just went to work the next oh, day oh I, yeah that's what i thought you yeah. were talking about but yeah, I had but to this try. time around, I threw the sweatshirt away because I knew I would never wear that sweatshirt again. I'm like, there's no way I can have this sweatshirt mm-hmm. in my house. Like I even considered like tearing apart the closet and rebuilding the closet just because uh-huh. it's like you live in this house. You right. look at things where things have mm-hmm. happened. Yeah, that's the like ugly side of um, I think adult life is like you can't just change everything mm-hmm. like you're in whatever economical situation that you're in and sometimes you just have to live through that shit which sucks i think it does help that we change the office up though yeah like because before we drank on that table the way the table is set up that's where we podcast and would drink and podcast Mm -hmm. and that's where you know we would argue in this room now changing it up it does feel different and maybe it does feel different because we got rid of all that yeah we did change a bunch of stuff got rid of the desk there's a treadmill that's always in the way yeah but even changing the colors and the mood yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's more inviting yeah yes right it now. doesn't feel as it felt just being in this office for a long time just felt maybe heavy. subconsciously heavy that's, the word. that's why i wanted to change it was because i wanted it there was dark like when we flicked the lights off it was right back to the way that shit used to be yeah mm-hmm. oh 100 percent. yeah that's really and interesting then it when we did redid all this we got rid of chris there was um a suitcase in the closet that chris would hide the alcohol and mm. we still had it in there like yeah it's like let's get rid of this stuff that all this stuff that has all this negative connotation to let's just we don't need it right. it's just stuff so from your perspective i know we, we like i i don't want to put you on the spot if you feel uncomfortable but how how so how did you feel when all of this shit was happening. Because I like to think that we're friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. Yeah. Yeah. So just I, I guess. I, I was. Very very devastated. When all of this. 
went down. I was at work at Verizon, and I don't know if I can say that. Maybe. I don't know. That's where I was. Um, And I got a text from Alex, and then I looked at my boss. I'm like, I have to go to the back. And he was like, okay. I went in the back. I called Kim. I was, like, calling Alex. I was just trying to – because Alex didn't tell me what was going on. He was like, hey, something happened with Chris. And, like, I was like, okay, like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, it's not my place to tell you. So he wouldn't tell me what was going on. And so I was super nervous because I was like, why is he not telling me, like, what's going on? But he's like, it's not it's not my place to share. And if people want you to know, then they'll tell you. And I was like, okay, now you're like really making me like really nervous. Sure. So I called you and we talked on the phone and I just was pacing in the back. And I looked at my boss and I was like, um, I'm going to take lunch now. And I'm like crying. And my boss is like, fuck. My boss is like, yeah, let's talk first. I was like, all right. So we chatted and. He had a, someone that he knew had recently laid in the middle of the street waiting for a car to come by. And luckily the car did not drive over him. But so we kind of like bonded over a very tragic experience. But I guess I was confused more than anything. Okay. I didn't know why you would. I've never understood suicide, I guess. I I mean, myself have personally, like, I've thought about it, but never planned, like, out how I would do something or anything like that. I was just like, you know, sometimes I think I should just not be here. Mm-hmm. I would have those thoughts, and but just would never act on them, so I never thought anything of it. Sure. But um, I know someone whose family member had committed suicide and watched that just... It would just destroy them, you know, and I never once thought that I would ever like personally know someone because to me it's you are like a, I guess, like a Robin will like Williams sort of deal. Like you're oh. this you're this really happy guy. You've got a lot going for you. Yeah, you've got, you know, this in my eyes, you know, because I'm not here. You've mm-hmm. got kind of a little but to work on with a little bit of a drinking problem. I didn't know it was as severe as it was. And so I was very confused why someone who in my eyes had a lot going for them all of a sudden decided that it wasn't work. Like I look at those kids and I'm like, how? Like I, I just, I was so confused. Well, I mean. You don't have to answer. No, no, no. I know. I'm Because I said it like in the in the beginning when we, we started recording this stuff and I don't know if people know this aspect of suicide, but for people who have attempted more than once. Mm-hmm. So the first time, um, it's kind of you're thinking that people are better off if you're if you're not here. Um and then the second time around it was uh it's there's no escape from mm-hmm. who I am. And in that regard, I like, how do I save myself from myself? Mm-hmm. So it's this, this weird switch that happens where you think that you're under attack, but at the same time, you're going to save yourself by ending yourself. It's a, it's a very strange thing. You fuck with your fight or flight. Yeah. 
because obviously we're, you know, genetically made to want to survive. Mm -hmm. So when you when you flip that switch, it only gets easier from there, unfortunately. And even Mm -hmm. when I got into treatment, I remember thinking like when my first suicide attempt or like almost attempt near attempt, I remember my brother saying, um, so this is never going to happen again. Right. And even then I knew I was like, well, I have no idea what could happen in the future that would make me do that. But I still had that mentality when I was in treatment Mm -hmm. and it's only the more. So like, like when I know Kim, you didn't want me to like accept or like try to fish out that I have any type, any more mental health issues than I already have. But the reason is because I want to know how to protect myself from thinking that that's an option anymore. Mm-hmm. If there are these things that are underlying, it, rather than just being like, eh, who fucking knows, man, I might try and kill myself again. I want to know why I think that that's okay or that that's even an option. So yeah, there was the more scientific shit that I learned when I was in treatment. I was like, Oh, your mind fucks with you like constantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the only way to to beat it is to learn more about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The other thing I th- found really confusing about the whole thing that I'm not sure I've ever talked to you about, I guess, was when you got out of the hospital before you went to treatment, you came to Petra's Picks. Yeah. At Nordic. And I was so confused. I was so happy to see you, but I was so confused. I was like... I thought he was going to treatment. I thought he had, like, you know, I thought he was dealing with some stuff. Like, I was so confused to see you there. Yeah. I think the codependent side of me, Mm -hmm. I think I thought that they needed me. And that Mm. I, even though I, my whole fucking world got tipped upside down, that I was going to save the show for some fucking reason. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I definitely shouldn't have gone like looking back on it it was amazing to see people and comrade was there Mm -hmm. comrade gave me a hug for the first time i think ever (laughs) um and yeah i thought yeah i for some reason thought that i was gonna be there to help the show and Mm -hmm. absolutely not i mean yeah it's (laughs) it's hard digging on the the difficult stuff with you because there's so much light to you that (laughs) (laughs) yeah could you turn down the brightness for one fucking second which is funny because i'm not a surface level person Ah, i don't like the surface level conversation like if i'm gonna have a conversation with you we're gonna have a conversation yeah you have such a way of um, making it seem like, not that it's okay, but that these things happen. And it, it, it's like going to your parents with something really heavy and you're nervous to tell them this really heavy thing and then being surprised at how supportive they are of whatever mm. it is that you have to tell them. Like wrecking a car or mm-hmm. doing bad in school, like, you are that person. Like, I feel like every time I bring something to you, it's always, I'm relieved at the way that you 
react to anything that that comes at you at least that i've brought to you i'm not ever in a position to judge somebody for their choices in life for the actions they've done like i think that comes from a place of me not in, not wanting to be judged for things that i've done or things that i've said and i would rather approach a conversation and go deep with someone and come from a place of understanding and support rather than a place of judgment but i also don't want to dwell in that in that bad place right because that gets to be really dangerous Mm -hmm. when we just sit and we dwell in this yes instead of okay so we're we're here what are we going to do about it because i don't want to sit in the mess yeah but i'll go and i'll i'll get dirty we can roll around in the mud but we got to get out of the mud at some point yeah how did you deal with everything that was happening because you were having to be supportive of Alex. You were being supportive of Kim. You were being there for the kids. What was it that you did to get through that shit? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a great answer, but like, I, I don't, I don't know. I've never really been one to have like hobbies or anything like that. Like me either. People are like, what's your hobby? I'm like, nothing. I don't know. I go to work and, go home i come home and cook and clean so maybe i mean i I listed those things but was that what got you through it was the fact that you got to be there for them probably Mm. that's interesting because it's a dangerous thing but at the same time if you're able to come out the other side it like the yeah that's an interesting thought it's like Mm-hmm. supporting others distracts you from the fact that you might not know how to process everything that just happened. And then by the time everyone's better, you were able to keep your head above the water and it's like, okay, now we're all above the water. I think sub or maybe subconsciously too, not with me, but maybe, you know, somewhere with, you know, Alex and with Kim and whatnot by me supporting them. I also, in exchange got to share. And so it was more of like a, we're supporting each other, even though it came from more of a place of, I'm going to support you. Sure. Like Alex and I would have conversations and I would spew out like, yeah, that's really crappy that Chris did that. Like that sucks that he's not returning your calls. I'm like, I'm really sorry for you. Like, and then I'd go, he's not responding to me either. And Alex would be like, okay, so he's not just ignoring me. He's also ignoring you. Like that was a way like I was supporting him, but also by me being like, hey, he's also not responding to me. That also kind of sucks. So it's that mutually beneficial Mm -hmm. to be able to. Even if it's not recognized, like Alex, I don't think would ever be like, oh yeah, I supported Caitlin through Chris's thing. But I I think he did because I got to share, even though my sharing was in support of him. See, yeah, I don't know how you do it, but you, you were a rock, but you're making us feel like we were rocks at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, it's very, it's almost mystical the way that you're able to let somebody know that this isn't just for me. Every interaction Mm -hmm. can be for both Mm -hmm. and have you ever gone up to uh 
like Lake Superior and you've seen like those stacking rocks. Yeah. I like to be the bottom rock, but without all of the top rocks, the bottom rock has no purpose. Oh, oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. There's nothing to observe if it's just the bottom rock. It can mm-hmm. be If it's not just unnoticed. me by myself, nobody cares. You know, but if I've got this, you know, all these stacking rocks, every rock is supporting every all the other rocks, you know. It's not like one rock is doing more of the work, but it's something to see. I'm going to go further. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to debate that because <laughs> You like you were fun to see when when I would go to Keller, but eventually you were something that instantly made me feel like everything was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like you were not comfort food, but like comfort food for the soul, like mm-hmm. just your presence. So you may I get what you're saying. I I, and I like that analogy, mm-hmm. but you are you are the rock that if you if you tap it then there's a bunch of treasure behind the fucking rock like there is so much to you and on your own you're you you're a giant tree in the middle of a wheat field like it's so much more than just the support that you offer there's just something straight up magical about you and i know i've talked about how like i want to articulate these things and Mm -hmm. i feel nervous about this friendship of ours because i'm like i don't know it's Mm -hmm. just odd because i i want you to know so badly how highly not just (laughs) not uh just how (laughs) I view you, but um, I'm. I feel lucky that my family gets to have that in their lives too. <laughs> mm. So yeah, you mean a lot, and in a really big and like quiet way. Like you can be loud, but you in a in a without. F- disturbing anything you're able to like make things feel better and sorry for turning into a baby but (laughs) (laughs) yeah you just mean a lot and i've struggled to like find how to say that to you and yeah so fuck i think you give me too much credit (sighs) kim anything (laughs) what time are we at (laughs) i'm just worried about the kids i'm sorry they're Uh. out there yeah i mean we're at an hour caitlin is there anything here's i'm i'm gonna (laughs) i will probably cry now too okay (laughs) i am not one to normally share a lot about myself i'll listen to people and their stories and i'm not one to necessarily open up Um, and I, that comes from a place of being very afraid of, uh, rejection. Um, in school I, you know, had this core group of friends and then all of a sudden one day they didn't want to be friends. 
Um, so I was the girl who ate lunch with her physics teacher every day in his classroom. So ever since then, I've always been really afraid because people always leave. Uh, my dad left, my friends left, and I w worked really hard on not trying to let people very close because they will leave. And the Keller, Mike, and meeting you and some of the other comics there, none of you have ever left. And I don't know why that is. Because in my eyes, I'm like, they, why do they still want to be friends with me? Like, why are they reaching out to you? And so I think part of everything that happened is like when you attempted, I was like, look, I told you he was going to leave me. That's what happens. People always leave. But then you're here and you're like wanting to grow a friendship. And I am all for that. And I love that because I love you and I love your wife and I love your kids. And I don't have a lot of girlfriends. I don't know how really to be a good friend because I like to just be by myself. I bail a lot, but I don't know. You guys say, you know, there's something magical about me, but I think there's something very magical about the two of you in being people who are so open to everyone. And I like for the first time in like my adult life with meeting people, I truly feel like we could like really share deep stuff together. And we have, we've gone through really dark stuff together and we're still here. And that's, I don't think that's on me at all because I'm not one to be the first person to ask somebody to do something because I'm afraid they'll say no. And sometimes I get really mad at you, Chris, because you keep asking me to come over here. <laughs> and I'm like, why does he why does he want to hang out with me? Why have, does he want me to come over? Why does he keep talking to me? I've I've felt that tension and I didn't know like I I felt it after like the first time that I wanted to like mm -hmm. highlight you, like this kind of pullback. And I was like, I don't know if I'm saying it in a weird way that's creeping her out. But then the more that I did it, like I could tell that there was just like, it was more trepidation and nervousness. Mm -hmm. And I, so then that's why I started spewing out like, I don't know how to say words to you in a way that makes you know, like we fucking love you mm -hmm. and that's why we want you around, but I'm going to figure it out eventually. Mm -hmm. I know. I even, when Alex proposed to me, I even said like, are you only proposing to me because you know I want my grandpa to walk me down the aisle and he has dementia or do you actually want to marry me? Or oh, wow. Like but I had a lot of questions because I have a hard time believing that people want to stick around and actually like invest in me. Sure. Because I just have a history of people I'm going the same, away. same, same, same way. Mm -hmm. Like even with Chris, like even we've been married for, it'll be 14 years. I still have fear that he's just doesn't want to be with me mm -hmm. at times. Cause when we first got married, we had a lot of issues when we were dating, we had tons of issues. 
girlfriends too i would have friends that would be with me friends with me for a little while and then they just don't want to be my friend mm-hmm. you don't do anything they just don't want to be your friend and anymore. then you start thinking it's your fault yeah like, what am i doing wrong that everyone's leaving me yep yep or like i get a core group of good girlfriends and then they would just go hang out with each other and then not invite me and it's like is there something i'm doing wrong that mm-hmm. you guys don't want to hang out with me and so yeah. then it's a lot of that's what i that's why i shut people out too is because it's like i don't want someone to tell me no or right. you invest all this time into something and then it doesn't go anywhere mm-hmm. that's why it's like a lot of time it's hanging out with family because it's like you guys technically can't go anywhere right i alex and i are planning our guest book for our wedding and his friend page is like a whole page and a half and my friend page is five names maybe it's like this big on the piece of paper and my family is like three pages. Oh, like wow. these, I'm like, these are the people that I care about. These are the people I spend my time with when Alex and I hang out. Like sometimes we'll go hang out with his mom and his dad, but we're always doing something with his friends. When Alex comes to hang out with me, we're always with my family. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Like I, if he's like, Hey, let's go, you know, go do something with your friends. I'm like, okay, what do you want to do with my mom? Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Here, I'm going to take a pee break real quick. Do you want to text Caleb? Remember that I had a bad dream about you last night. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what's weird? So I thought, so like my, my heart was racing earlier and I was like, oh, because of the altercation with the dad. Yeah. But then my brain was like, well, you don't actually seem to give a fuck about that. And so I was like, why the fuck? It's because that. Because I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to, I'm going to try, it, it'll be another attempt at trying to articulate this shit to Caitlin and it's going to fucking flop again. Because now my heart feels 10 times better. I'm still anxious, but. I still am too. Um, <laughs> so Matt feels. I was telling her about the dream because Matt Field was, you were in the hospital. Uh, you must have relapsed because you were being like mean like you used to and Matt Field. And I think it was Royal, even though I had only met him once because I didn't really see his face. But Matt Field's like, Kim, listen, Chris is going to come stay with us for a little while. And I was just on the floorball and like, you can't just take him away from me. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. So every time Matt Field's been posting on shit today, I'm like, can't take my boyfriend. <laughs> That's really funny. So what's his question? His did question, you just call Chris your boyfriend? I, sometimes I do that to spice things up. Like, it really throws people off, too, when I'm like, my boyfriend, and they're like, aren't yeah. you guys married? In that fantasy, I wear a size 29 jean. Whatever. Um, what has <laughs> I don't been, know what that means. 29 waist. Yeah, I just don't know what that means. What has Skinnier. been the thing that surprised you most over the last six months of recovery? Why don't you go first? Just how happy you seem. Like he hated going to his parents' house and you still kind of do, but like you're more willing to go and do things. It's for different reasons. It's laziness now versus yeah, what it was laziness before. before. Yeah, but he's like more willing to go do things like, mm. hey, let's go to your parents' house or like even family events like Ashton's birthday is going to be on Saturday. Okay. Like he's willing mm-hmm. to do that before when we'd say anything. He's just like, I'm not going to go. I don't have to go. Mm-hmm. And it's because he, oftentimes he wanted to be home and drinking. That's interesting. I'm actually curious what what seemed what changed for for you over the last like six months with all the because there was a lot of shit going on in in the comedy world you and alex were trying to figure Mm. shit out 
What? What? Is I mean, this? let me. I'm gonna answer Matfield's question in recovery for you. Mm. Something I've noticed is you actively reach out more. Interesting. With things, and you are actively trying to, like, you texted me the other day and you were like hey how do i like put this stuff on here and alex is like oh yeah you gotta use like i would you'd use a hot glue gun (laughs) and you're like oh yeah hot glue gun like before i feel like you would have never called us to be like hey you guys what do you think about this yeah and i feel like you're actively trying to not overwhelm yourself like alex was jacked when you asked him to make an email and a Facebook page for your other podcast. He was so excited about it. He's like, Chris is like letting me do stuff. Oh, that's so funny. And he was so excited about it. But you're like willing to give up, I think, some control of things to have more time with your family. So you're not stuck in this space. Yeah. You're like willing to just be like, hey, yeah, make the email, make this Facebook page. Hey, look at people who we could make, like, might want to sponsor us. Hey, do this. Oh, sorry, sister. <laughs> um, like you're, you're relinquishing duties. And I, you never did that before. No. That's interesting. Yeah. I, well, the, the weird thing is like, I thought that I was, I thought that I was helping by taking on these things. I don't want you to worry about anything. Mm-hmm. I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. I think, I um like the we we've always talked about the mental health stuff but I think owning my shit in a way that I say like I articulate I I'll say like I I can't think of why this thing isn't working or why how come I can't figure out xyz like rather than getting frustrated and trying to muscle through these things I go I don't I can't see it I don't understand this. Help me understand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think I do. I do that. You more. use your words more. Yeah. And yeah, I want people to be involved because I want to make sure that what whatever I'm involved in now is the best because I had other people involved. I think, too, mm-hmm. you're more understanding like. I'm very introverted and we've been doing a lot of podcasting lately, like mm-hmm. just like Duck Duck Grey Duke and all this stuff. And it got, it's a lot for an introvert to have to sit and talk to people. Like mm-hmm. I, that's my job too. Yeah. Like I have to constantly assess and talk to people. I have no option that that's what I went to. That's what I went to school for. And then like to come home and then I have to do that a bunch. And then, like, I finally told Chris, like you got to give me a break. Cause it was going to be like six in a, within a week or something yeah. like that. And I was like, <sighs> You've got to give me a break. Mm-hmm. Like, I know you enjoy doing this, but it's a lot for me. Yeah. And for him, he's like, okay, I'll reschedule a couple. Mm-hmm. And he did without even fighting Not for him to be like, you know, this is important to me. Because before I feel like you would have done that. This is very oh, yeah. important to me. Mm-hmm. We need to do all these episodes. We need to do this and this. And he was like, no, I get it. Like, yeah, we can reschedule. I say, I, I say we're a team a lot more too. Oh, uh, way more. Yeah. Like rather than the like the grandiose aspect of things of being like, we have to do this because it's going to, which really was just me saying, I need you guys to just 
not question anything because as soon as I can make money from something that makes me happy, then everyone will be happy. So let's all be unhappy while we're going through this thing. Yeah. And now yeah. I say, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not, it's not the same. And it's hard to get an extrovert. Like before it would have been very hard for Chris to be like, you love doing this. You love interacting with people all the time. It's a lot for someone that it's just exhausting, yeah. which you probably understand. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love being with a lot of people. And so like I get a lot of anxiety when I'm like, okay, so it's just going to be me and oh. Kim and Chris and I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh. And now I'm yeah, super nervous. Yeah. I noticed Alex last night he, when he was like, yeah, I'll come over and we'll, and I was like, that seems kind of odd. Like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that things panned out the way that they did because I have uh, for almost a year now wanted to highlight the, the aspect of you that I am like, I feel genuinely lucky to, that we get to have you as a friend. I feel lucky to have you guys. Just so you know, Layla is missing out on a sleepover with her cousins because she knew you were coming over. <laughs> Which is, I don't think I you understand. she was coming over to play. Well, <laughs> she knew that you were. But I, that's the whole, like, Layla gives up time with me even though she cries that she doesn't see me very much to be have a sleepover with her cousins. So that's how important you are to Layla that she was just like, no, nah, I'll have a sleepover. I'll just have grandma pick me up tomorrow. Yeah. Well, She's so sweet. any, uh, do you have... Uh, the last thing that I like to, to ask is, mm-hmm. <clears throat> is there any advice that you have for people um, who don't necessarily know how to be uh, support for somebody who's going through uh, these types of things? Just to listen. I like that. I, the best thing I think is be fast to listen and slow to speak. Nice. One thing I'm trying to get better at too is with the listening thing, I always feel like I'm listening to someone mm-hmm. and then they'll say something and I have something I want to add on to it. And I, I have a hard time letting that mm-hmm. go and just listening to the, like, that's why I feel like I didn't talk a lot in the beginning of this podcast. Cause I was just oh. listening. Cause I didn't want to be like, Oh, well wait, but this mm-hmm. this, you know, cause mm-hmm. then I'm not really listening to what you're saying. Right. Yeah. That's for the other podcasts. <laughs> ADHD. Oh yeah. You can do plenty. that on your dude. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You guys, both of you ADDs our podcast is basically you know what that reminds me of yeah that is (laughs) I would say the only other thing I have to add before we are done here is that I think you two don't get enough credit for doing what you're doing I've heard people Um, say that but I don't know what that means so you started this podcast as a way to help you um, navigate all of this. I mean, you came home and you couldn't go anywhere because it, you had to stay at home and you couldn't go to meetings and you couldn't do whatever. So you started this show to help you. But I think what you're finding with the amount of listeners is that this show's not just helping you. It's helping a lot of people. And I know that there have been people who have said to you that you're, you know, only doing this for attention. Mm. And I know that that's not where this came from. That's not why you started this. I know your heart behind it. And I think that that needs to be verbalized and be said out loud as your heart behind this was this was to help you. And in return, by you helping you, 
you're helping so many other people and helping people know like normalize talking about this kind of stuff yeah people don't normalize talking about addiction and in this space you two talk about it as if it's just normal it's like oh yeah that's just a thing it's almost like mental health people don't talk about it it's this taboo thing you've just put in the corner but I think you two are really helping to normalize conversation around addiction and around mental health and you're helping other people verbalize things that they may not have been able to verbalize before and you're putting quality content out on the internet not to say hey look at me but to say hey that was a weird noise (laughs) Alex did that on the podcast but but you're you're not saying hey look at me you're saying hey look at what we can do as a community of people. It's not about you. It's about this community you're building. And it breaks my heart when people think otherwise. But I don't think you to, I mean, I don't know, listeners out there, they're not getting paid to do this. No, You know, no one's paying you to talk about these things. You're just, Uh you're just doing it. And people listen and you know people might comment but I don't know if anyone's ever just really taken the time just to say hey thanks for doing this thanks for doing this kind of show and putting this kind of content out on the internet and thank you for being your true authentic selves because that's what you do I mean, full disclosure, we do have a couple sponsors now, so I do. <laughs> but but we, in the in yeah, what we've I, I, get what, I, I know yeah. what you mean. In what yeah. we've put in for yeah, it's you know, m- we have to pay for Podbean and all these certain things. Mm-hmm. Almost, sweetie. Almost. Okay. All right, but yeah, I just wanted to see you in a second. One sweetie. thing, I love you, Layla. One thing too <laughs> with being in that group. One thing, like I've realized, and I didn't do myself as like as a what person group? that gr- the facebook groups oh, i joined oh, oh. sorry I, sh- um, I was right there <laughs> <laughs> the facebook groups i joined and reading all these people's stories is like one thing that i've started realizing i didn't do which you tried to get me to do is ta- the person supporting the person also needs to take care of themselves uh-huh. and thankfully i'm pretty resilient i haven't had a breakdown or anything so i kept telling kim she needed to cry yeah. yeah, I did cry. I didn't cry. You've cried on a couple episodes here. No, like while you were while gone, things I were happening. Oh. I did cry one day when you were in the hospital, and then I cried that one day on the phone with you when you told me to let it out, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, you ready for this?" <laughs> and I did. I bawled. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just hard to cry now. Well, I mean, we've cried on episodes, but it's harder to cry now because seeing how well he's doing, mm-hmm. it's like okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Take care of yourselves too. Listen. Take care of yourselves. What was it? Mm-hmm. Fast to listen. Be fast to listen and slow to speak. Slow yes, to I speak. Like that. Yeah, I like that. I a really lot. like that. Um. So I don't know if you've listened like all the way to the end of an episode before, mm-hmm. but do you know how we end it? With that, we will pass. <laughs> <laughs>